0: Foes, they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlisle group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching for more. It's, it's Blood for Oil. Emma's Revolution. I'm Terry Madsen of Code Pink's Latin America team. Welcome to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City, WPFW 89.3 FM in Washington, D.C., KPFT 90.1 FM in Houston. KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles, and many other community radio stations like Western Mass Community Broadcasting, WMCB slash LP, 107.9 FM. We are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Check out our website at www.codepink.org slash radio where you will find all of our episodes from our very first to our most recent. Today's episode is titled Ecuador's Presidential Election Heads to a Second Round in October. We will spend the hour recapping and analyzing the controversial and often violent events leading to the snap legislative and presidential elections held in Ecuador on August twenty. No presidential candidate won a majority in the first round. The October 15 second round will determine whether or not the current shift left throughout Latin America and the Caribbean expands with the inclusion of Ecuador. Our guest today is Pilar Troya. Pilar is an Ecuadorian feminist anthropologist. Her main areas of interest are social public policies, especially concerning gender equality and the feminist movement. She has served as an advisor to the Ministry of National Planning and as an advisor and deputy ministry to the Ministry of Higher Education, Science and Technology of Ecuador. She is also a researcher at Tricontinental Institute for Social Research. Stay tuned. We think you will find today's episode compelling and informative. But first, a few top stories from the region. Ecuador's Congress, which is controlled by the currently governing party, on August 30th, refused to recognize the seven lawmakers from the seed movement party of President-elect Bernardo Arevalo following the suspension of his party earlier in the week. Lawmakers declared the seed movement colleagues' independence in the latest movement against the party since Arevalo's landslide win, August 20. Prosecutors have accused the seed movement of wrongdoing in gathering signatures for the party's registration years earlier. The case was announced in July after Arevalo won a surprise place in the presidential runoff against former First Lady Sandra Torres. Also in the news, the Biden administration is in talks with Venezuela to explore a temporary lifting of crippling sanctions in exchange for allowing fair elections next year. The preliminary discussions involve senior officials from both nations, including Venezuela's head of Congress, Jorge Rodriguez. Washington has floated the idea of sanctions relief to persuade the government of President Nicolas Maduro to hold a competitive presidential election vote in 2024 and to also free political prisoners. Sanctions have aggravated Venezuela's economic crisis by hindering oil sales, but have also failed in their original objective of attempting to remove Maduro from office. In a, if a deal is reached, the U.S. would grant a license to lift some or all of Venezuelan sanctions temporarily. Also in the hemisphere, A new scenario opens for Argentina with the invitation for the South American country to join the BRICS group of developing nations. The invitation comes at a time of deepening economic crisis in the South American nation, which is suffering triple-digit inflation and a steadily deteriorating peso currency ahead of October's high-stakes general election. Argentina's current government would like to join BRICS, a group currently made up of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, because the bloc's geopolitical and financial importance during a difficult geopolitical context, Argentina was the only Latin American country to receive a second-round BRICS invitation. China's President Xi has pledged to support Cuba's defense of its national sovereignty, opposing foreign interference and a US economic blockade, and will expand strategic coordination with Havana. Xi made the remarks in a meeting with Cuba President Miguel Diaz-Canal on the sidelines of the same BRIC summit in Johannesburg. Now let's welcome Pilar Troya, to discuss the ramifications of Ecuador's first round presidential and legislative elections.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's very nice to be here. So maybe we should start with um, with what technically
0: happened on Sunday the 20th with the presidential uh, first round election results. And then um, we should maybe give the audience a really good background as to how these SNAP elections came about and uh, and all the violence associated with these elections and why?
1: Yeah, well, it's going to be a bit long then, but let's start. (laughs) Uh, On Sunday, uh, what happened for the second place was a surprise. One of the reasons, uh, a simple one that explained the surprise for most of us is the fact that it's prohibited to publish surveys 10 days before the election. The theory behind is you don't want to influence the life. But the people who had access to those services were well aware that what was going to happen because it's not that you can produce service, you just cannot disseminate or publish them. And it was a surprise for the rest of us because things changed literally over the last week. Of mm-hmm. course, there was a there, there was always a front-runner, and that never changed it. Luisa Gonzalez from Citizen Revolution, that will be the translation of Movimiento Revolución Ciudadana. And, uh, but the second place was always contested, even the third and the fourth. Every survey that we get to know uh, up until 10 days before the election was have different positions for the other candidates. So it was always pretty close because there was lots of people undecided. Even the last polls published uh when it was still possible had like I think 17% of people still undecided. That is a lot of people in a country where voting is mandatory. So everyone has to vote. Uh, Then uh, what happened also in these elections is that everything changed when one of the presidential candidates, Fernando Villavicencio was assassinated. And the people took some time to process that assassination. And well, before getting into how it was processed and why we end up with Daniel Novoa as the second runner, it's uh, worth remembering that the, the country is in a economical, political, and violence crisis, I would say, the crisis of violence. There's an unstoppable tide of violence that began a, a, a few years ago, but it's been way worse over the last year and a half, I would say. For you to have an idea, in 2017, the rate of violent murders was five per 100,000 inhabitants. That that was among the lowest in the region, similar to Chile and Uruguay. By the end of 2022, it was 23. And right now, some people are saying maybe around 35. And that can reach 40 by the end of the year. That is worse than Brazil, similar to Colombia and Mexico. And only Honduras will be sadly worse in these terminal statistics. There was not all, not only that candidate that was assassinated. There were like three or two or three other people, most notably, uh, two from the Citizen Revolution, one newly elected mayor, in Manta, the second biggest sport That that happened like more than a month ago, and a campaign organized by Bermeo. was also here. Clearly, police is losing the war with the local gangs that are related to rival Mexican cartels. That's what we know. Their business model of these gangs is extorting money and kidnapping people who refuse to pay. Uh, So not only wealthy people are caught up in this web, ordinary people also, because they extort even in the poor neighborhoods for little money. It happens to everyone. Those gangs are well armed, well organized, and usually a step ahead of the police. That is like a short-term thing that is happening right now, but uh, in the long-term perspective, uh, Ecuador started applying neoliberal policies when with Lasso, not with Lasso, but with Moreno's government back in two thousand seventeen. After he betrayed everything, the party and all his. The, government plan he was elected for. So those two administrations are uh, more or less the same thing from the point of view of the type of policies they apply.
0: Let me just interrupt uh, that, for, for the audience. Uh, Lenin Moreno was the successor to Rafael Correa's government and was supposedly going to continue carrying out those same policies and was a uh, a traitor to the party and the political
1: process. So sorry, just yeah, thank you see no, it's fine, yeah, yeah so we I see that uh, the, those two administrations that are doing more or less the same thing uh so they uh, start investing less and less in guaranteeing basic rights of the population that and investing less in the government, so the the fact that uh for instance, uh, there's an estimation that is now they are investing three billion less in security than what was being invested during Korea's government. Mm-hmm. Uh, three billion for a small country like Ecuador is a lot of money, <laughs> and the fact that they were doing this, like reducing the investment in security insecurity at the same time that the gangs were getting stronger, there's another factor is that when the peace agreements were signed in 2016 with Colombia, that left in our border a lot of small militia kind of groups Mm. like paramilitary small groups and there was no real process to contain them. Before the peace agreements uh, FARC used Ecuador as a, a place to rest as some kind of retreat. They don't want to get into fights with the uh, Ecuadorian authorities, so they, they control the, that that border in a way that they won't allow many uh, criminal activities happen. So when that peace agreement were signed, there are people who wanted to out of guerrilla wanted to become criminals and that those were never controlled that's another factor that is related but of course the government also reduced the investment in health in education in everything that creates uh unemployment and unemployment is an opportunity for people for getting into criminal activities again so it's not just uh, the fact that the cartels were changing its trafficking routes. Ecuador has always been a road for narco traffic, but now it's also becoming a drug storage site. And the shipping uh, of drugs from Ecuadorian ports has greatly increased. Some people say that it's the third place where they are catching cocaine right now. Even if we don't produce cocaine, cocaine yeah. from both Colombia and Peru, it's being shipped to Ecuador right now but when that is happening if the government stops investing in basic rights and stop investing in security of course you are creating a scenario for uh increase in crimes and violence and violence and what was what has been the response from those governments? is like states of emergency that have done little to nothing and lasso Lately, reduced the requisites for carrying firearms. Like the message was, you can arm yourself because we are not able to protect. That's what the population felt. Of course, the pandemics, the COVID 19 pandemics, also contributed because the specialists said disrupted the narco trafficking routes. So they decided to use Ecuador more consistently. And of course, it was a good spot because they saw what was a weak government. There are many people, many links of Lasso with different types of corruption. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, the, the thing why he was almost impeached, we will go back to that. But there are also links with the Albanian mafia and with other uh, narco groups, let's say. Uh, those were in different reports that were leaked, some of some reports made even by the Ecuadorian police. So and there are there's a crime that is, I think is important to remember because a close ally of Lasso was assassinated before he can he was called to testify in one of those cases and probably his murder was related to that mafia association lasso is also mentioned in pandora papers in panama papers so there are many links of himself and his administration and close allies with different uh, uh, networks of corruption and criminal activity. Uh, so Lasso was about to be impeached. In, and for the people to understand, I think this is very important also that Vicencio, the candidate that was killed, mm-hmm. he was the president of the inquiry commission in the parliament. We call the Parliament National Assembly. He was the president of that commission and he was trying to save Lasso by any means necessary. The moment he realized he he was not going to be able to save Lasso at the level of the commission that uh, had to produce a report to be presented to the full chamber, he uh, resigned from the commission. Mm -hmm. So people, there are some people thinking that Villa Vicencio was kind of left and he was fighting corruption. He was in right wing and he was fighting some kind of corruption very selectively. Mm. In the the same way we have seen lawfare being done mm. all over Latin America. You know, so no he wasn't going after Lazo and all the things that I have mentioned. There are you have to start looking at, inter- you can do a Google search and you will find many uh, reference to the things I just said. He wasn't investigating that, he was defending Lazo, but he was going after all the uh, people, close or allies of the citizen revolution and in general, parts of the left. So it was, a, for me, it was a fake, uh, Fight against corruption, it was based on law. That was what Villavicencio was doing. So, but his killing creates a scenario where uh, the mainstream media and all the political opposition start saying that Korea was responsible, which is what they always say, they have a You're mantra. No, say, matter yeah. what, always gets blamed. no matter what, no matter what happened, <laughs> yeah. Korea is the culprit. Yeah. If Korea to be blamed, he did it. No matter what, everything yeah. is his fault, even if he, if he has not been in the country for like seven years. And the government has have not been allied to the citizen revolution since, since, I would say, October 2017, if we want to be precise uh so that assassination provoked uh luisa gonzalez and andres Arauz, that is the the runners for president and vice president to lose votes actually because uh of that uh, narrative around Correa being the culprit which has no sense because since villavicencio was more aligned to the right clearly. It was less uh, votes, less sorry, less runner in the right. That is worse for the left because the the right has become stronger with less runners. So the idea that Korea have anything to do with that assassination is, I think, frankly ridiculous because it doesn't make sense even from a perverse tactical point of view. Yeah, I may say. <laughs> so. Uh, but, of course, after the assassination, everyone is surprised it has never happened such a thing in Ecuador that they kill uh, a presidential candidate, as far as I can tell. And Novoa, who is the son of the richest man of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. His father is Alvaro Novoa, uh, in the business of exporting bananas. He is not, was not so well known, but he had a good participation in the debate. And he assumed a position that like putting himself apart from that big division that we have in Ecuador between who is in favor of uh, Correismo, Correa's uh, Mm -hmm. ideals, you would say, and who is against. That's a huge divide. Happens in a very similar way in Brazil and in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are in favor of Kirchner in Argentina and who are against, who are in favor of Lula here in Brazil and who are against. This is a very similar divide, but he took a step aside from that polarization. People who know about electoral campaigns said that that won votes for him Luisa Gonzalez, we have to acknowledge that even if her uh, position is the most progressive, more to the left, didn't have a good participation in the debate. And the other thing that helps uh, Novoa uh, be in the second, in the ballotage is the fact that he's perceived as new. Even if he's not a new, he was part of the National Assembly. He was a congressman, say, Mm -hmm. briefly. The congress that was just closed for then it's like a year and a half. But he's seen as new, so kind kind of outsider in that sense. And he is married to a social media influencer. So he has a good strategy on social media and, of course, all the money in the world yeah. to run his campaign. He's not short of money running his campaign, and it seems he gained the most vo- votes among young people, which is really, really sad. Because in political and ideological terms, he will only continue what, uh, Lasso and Moreno have done so far because they don't believe in the need of uh, government and a state protecting basic rights, providing housing, health, education for the people. They believe the state is only their tool for making more money regardless of anything else. In that sense, uh, another thing that happened on Sunday that is interesting is that Ecuador vote in favor of two of preserving the environment two there were two different questions asked at the same time of yeah. the election one to keep oh yeah, two referendums one to keep mm-hmm. the oil in the ground in the in a area in the southern part of the Ecuadorian Amazon in a, an area called Yasuni ITT. And the other was a local referendum just for the Quito, the the municipality of Quito to stop all forms of mining in a biome called Choco Andino, that is exclusive of the north of Ecuador and the south of Colombia. And those are interesting steps, but it will be hard for any new government because uh, they will lose money from oil exportation, and they will have to pay for the removal of all the equipment and all everything that was already there in a part of that in part of that area in the Amazon because oil has was being exploited there since at least two or three years.
0: Thank you so much, Pilar. Let's take a quick break before continuing our conversation. You are listening to Code Pink Radio, coming to you through Pacifica Radio's WPFW in Washington, D.C., WBAI in New York City, and KPFT in Houston. Of Code Pink's Latin America team. You are listening to Code Pink Radio presented by WBAI in New York City, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFT in Houston. Now let's return to our program with anthropologist Pilar Troya. Wow. So I can't, I've got a ton of notes here, right? I, mean, um, I, I guess first my my first impression in in listening to the history running up from Rafael Correa's final administration through Moreno Lasso and and Sunday's uh first round elections is that it almost seems in listening to you that this is just my my impression for the audience <laughs> that you know the crime the destabilization of the country was intentional almost, i mean just to undo uh, so much and, and, and or not resolve, intentionally not resolve things going forward. It just, it's it in- incredible, actually, sad, actually. And then um, just for the audience, Arouse, the vice presidential candidate Arouse, he was the presidential ac- candidate in April of
1: 2021,
0: correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. just, yeah. uh. I was actually there for those elections <laughs> as an observer. Whoa. Um and then what else? I guess let's talk a little bit about um Oh, with the regional elections earlier this year, you mentioned that uh that an RC can- mayor on the newly elected mayor was assassinated. This was a huge uh turnaround in the country to see the revolution Lugano come back in places like Guayaquil and I mean for people like me that was pretty exciting to see because it had been you know some pretty big wins in the regional elections and I had mm-hmm. forgotten about the mayoral assassination I'm sorry I had forgotten about that so it's, I mean you've said there's a, a split in the country I think it's really really clear what's what's trying to reperculate and pretty strongly and then the forces that are trying to keep you know, a progressive government down to really keep, and I would argue the destabilization, and I think we we see this in the states too, is the complete destabilization of education and healthcare and infrastructure is really to keep, you know, a really harsh neoliberal model in place. And there's very few, there's a very small percentage of people that that benefit from that that system, but it's it's really uh harsh and not just in Ecuador regarding the two referendums about the mining and the oil those are kind of tricky I think because there's so much of the global South that is trying to keep natural resources in the country not stop extraction but use the extraction industries to create manufacturing and and the exportation of finished products at home versus a sheer neo colonial model where the natural resources just get extracted and and are for the benefit of principally the global north but it's it it's tough to i mean i think a lot of us who would say well environmentally it's great but how do you replace those economies they can't be replaced overnight and i think you said it's going to be tough for the for an incoming mm-hmm. government
1: yeah, it's going to be tough if the incoming government is on the left. That means if uh, Luisa González and Revolución Ciudadana wins, because they will they will try its best to invest in the people and develop the country, manufacture the country, industry. Or the right, there is no issue because they don't want the state to invest in the people. So if they have less money, they will say, oh, we have no money. But we will pay our debt to the IMF not even not even on time ahead of time like they did during the pandemic when people were literally dying on the streets they were paying the external debt instead of helping the people and yeah there's no easy way out and the other part the other thing that we have to be clear that is a small portion of the amazon is not that a big part there has been several attempts to make it otherwise during correa's administration there was a proposal for the international community to pay uh, to ecuador for keeping the oil in the ground but uh, yes. it was like we needed something around 350 us million dollars per year during i don't remember 10 years something like that and of course uh, the international land community didn't contribute. There was a whole process, lots of negotiation, but we never reached, um, but a very tiny part of that, amu- that amount, and then it was decided that it should be exploited. But there was a, a movement, uh, civil society, I would say movement uh, that never stopped in, uh, in trying to approve this proposal. That is a really old idea that was created by yeah civil society oh, around keeping idea. the oil in the ground.
0: Yeah. It was yeah. brilliant and it really it, called the world just you know, what do we want as a species? And it didn't
1: happen. It was yeah. very
0: sad. Yeah.
1: It was very Yeah, sad. it's it's very difficult and well re- about the local elections, it was in, an important turn in the direction the the whole country was going, that seemed to be totally neoliberal and, um, yeah, Revolución Ciudadana won the main uh, cities and the main provinces as well. Even our government is not federal, so the authorities of the provinces don't, don't have that much authority as a governor in a federal government, but even though it's important. And I, and I, but I also like to highlight like the fact that our runners, but one, are not fascists. Because that was one thing that I was scared of, like having someone similar to your Trump. Brazil's Bolsonaro, or the new famous gay in Argentina, Millet. So we had our own, similar to those, called Jan Topic, who said he was part of the Légion Française, the French Legion. He he wanted to arm each and every citizen as a solution to the uh, tide of violence. It was terrible. And I was afraid because that's the way populations normally react if you are uh, suffering lots of violence and you feel you're under threat all the time you want to use violence again to counteract that yeah, the violence that you are experiencing. But uh, he was left out and that has to do with the assassination and I'm a bit hopeful because Finally, we are choosing between the normal right and the mm-hmm. fascist right. So we don't have anaphasic in the. We won't have a faces in the second round, but that doesn't change what you also mentioned. Uh, the fact that the way they are doing things, the lack of control over violence, the lack of interest. It's. to control the criminality, the narco-trafficking and everything, maybe signaling that they are taking a path of um, trying to make the neoliberal policies stronger through authoritarianism, like a very authoritarian way of having a, a neoliberal policy in place and uh, crushing all types of resistance because politically another con- conclusion conclusion that is very sad is that there is no one representing the huge uh, popular uprisings that happened in 2019 and in 2022. So I would say that out of those two big protest the the one in 2019 probably the biggest ever in ecuador or at least the biggest in the last 50 years for sure and the one in 2022 was also very big but then what happens the political party that should represent the indigenous movement that was always on the lead on those uprising, Pachacutic is the name of that political party, was already more on the right than anything, and they prevented the first attempt to impeach last right after the protest in right. June 2022. Yeah. So he wasn't impeached then, and he was safe. He partially believed that part of it, they didn't. Part of that party. They didn't want to vote right now again for the impeachment. They were against the impeachment. So it's pretty sad because the candidate that should have been the candidate of that process and of the indigenous movement, he couldn't run or Leonidas Isa because um, he uh, requested that the party expel those who have allied with Lasso's with uh, as Pachacupic. So uh, the most uh, progressive option, of course, is Luisa González. It's important to know that they uh, she's part of uh, a party, a group of people that have worked before in the state and have experience and about how to do things in favor of the majority and not just for the few. Uh, and maybe the only political gain out of those big rebellions have a fascist in uh, a relevant position. But how long will it last in the worst scenario? If Novoa gets elected, he continues the same policies because I'm sure he will continue doing more or less the same, or going strong in the in that path of arming the population and violence and criminality continues then that is uh, fertile ground for breeding our own new faces and that worries me right now. Yeah.
0: It's it's almost and and I you see this in a number of countries my own as well I mean I'm I'm talking with you in the audience today from Venezuela but when in in the states you just see the R you know the free flow of weapons among citizens the destabilization through drug abuse and lack of education lack of economic opportunity it's it seems like an intentional destabilization to make a nation a total uh, com- police state, because it will require police that are trained and armed at the level of a military to maintain stability if things get so bad. And it's very, it, it's really disconcerting. And then to see anybody, yeah, I never- be- I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs>
1: Now, I was about to say one thing that I was forgetting and I think it's important to remember about the police precisely. Police is terribly corrupted mm. and it seems that uh, even part of the top is in collusion right now with drug traffickers. Yeah. There was a scandal in December 2021 when the U.S. ambassador to Ecuador uh, said that they refused uh, providing visas for five I think there were four or five police generals because they know of their links with uh, uh, drug trafficking that is like highly suspicious the death of villavicencio it seems to be uh, it it seems that couldn't have been done without the cooperation of the police like the way he was taken out of the place where he was, the way his guards that were are from the police behaved, all are all are signals of negligence. And the, the wife and the sister of Villa Vicencio are accusing directly the police and the state of the killings. They are not accusing Korea, at least. And there was another thing that for me was terrible at some point. The, Korea was threatened by a gangster. I forgot his name right now, but uh, they were requesting that he was transferred to a max, max, maximum security prison. And before he was transferred, he gave a press conference inside the prison where he was escorted by a police intelligence officer. This is like what levels of uh, uh, corruption inside the police are we talking about to have those things happening. So that is also a very uh, sad and worrying signal that we can see right now.
0: So what what do you see happening from, you know, when the second round is... 15 October, is that correct? I, I mean, I know it's hard yeah. to say what's going to well, happen. We need... It's hard to believe some of the stuff that's happened prior to the 20th of this month.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, first, let's hope there's no more killings, no more terrible violence. I'm saying let's hope because it doesn't seem like Lasso's government is going to do anything about it. Like, he will will continue letting things to happen. Uh, On the other hand, uh, I believe that uh, Luisa Gonzalez needs a better training for the debate. There will be a debate. And that's when uh, he, Novoa, Daniel, clearly won. And uh, I hope the people get to understand that Novoa Will only continue this uh, this, in the same path than Moreno and Las. You are changing a banker with a banana business guy. There's no change at all in that. It's very rich people that we only care for interests. When Lisa Gonzalez is a young lawyer with experience in the government for quite some time, she worked several years with Korea, and she for sure will push forward an agenda that is uh, progressive, that is uh, guaranteeing rights for the people, that will try also to ensure the sovereignty of Ecuador, and that is important also right now, because if uh, we get a progressive government in Ecuador. The balance of forces, the context in the Andean region is going to change because wow. there's then there's only Peru left mm-hmm. aligned with the imperialist U.S. policies. Yeah. There will be a lot. It will be very interesting to see that. So uh, that's why there's also the elites have no interest in having a progressive government because also of the alignment in the rest of Latin America in this no. new think tie. That even if it's less progressive than the prior one, it still presents a challenge for the interest of the local bourgeoisie and the transnational capital. You
0: know, you mentioned the, the word um, sovereignty, Ecuador, you know, hopefully remaining, voting to remain a sovereign nation. That to me is the key word, phrase, theme for I would for all of Latin America and the Caribbean. I have the opportunity to um be an election observer starting in I don't know, October of 2020 in Bolivia and all the way through 2021 including in ecuador and uh through colombia in may of 2022 and for me personally the um election results really showed populations voting for governments that would ensure national sovereignty natural resource sovereignty and um an economic plan that would benefit the majority of the citizens. And of course, those economic plans are a broad spectrum from, you know, social Democrat to revolutionary leftist. But so many people really understand the word sovereignty as voters, as participants, and want to recapture that or ensure its continued its continue existence. And I I just uh, I really I have to say I agree with you about Ecuador and it's going to be so critical as an Andean nation to to move center left and and yeah because what center- they have
1: been doing
0: no go ahead I'm sorry
1: Yeah. Uh, no I'm sorry well, another thing that they have been doing and I was forgetting is Moreno signed an agreement with the U.S. that is secret. So we don't know exactly what was signed. In mm-hmm. Ecuador, uh, uh, foreign military bases are prohibited in our constitution. In 2008, the constitution drafted during Korea's mandate. Mm-hmm. And so he signed an agreement allowing US military and agents to use our airports and ports. We don't know. Again, it's secret. So we don't know exactly what it entails. But people tell, yeah, you see U.S. military getting in and out without any check. That is that's been happening since 2018, and in May this year, I think Lasso signed an agreement with. That is an a reduction in external debt, a tiny reduction with a company that in the end many people are saying is almost a surrendering Ecuador's sovereignty in the Galapagos Islands in exchange for a bid of, of external debt. So that's the kind of sellout governments we get in with these people. And Novoa, now that I remember, his father, he ran for president like five times. The closest he was was with Korea. He, he, yeah, with Korea, he got to the second round and he lost with Korea. That was the closest. After that, he always had very few votes. But one of his proposals that he repeated, not in the last campaign, but in the first two, probably was. That he wants to turn like the whole country in an an a free economic zone, like oh wow, or having maquilas and, and that kind of things. That was his big proposal for the development of Equality. And oh, wow. now his son is running, even if he is much cleverer than his father and won't be saying such things. I'm sure because same as lasso lasso won lying a lot saying he was going to do uh, a lot of things that he finally never did he will be lying a lot of course but that's where he comes from yeah wow
0: it's it's so complicated and so layered and it, it's 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 amazing, and I'm I'm so happy that election day went so smoothly, given everything that you've described to us. I mean, all of you must be so so pleased with that. That uh, it just it, it, yeah. at least from the outside looking in, it went so smoothly. I know when uh, the voting in the diaspora started, there was some question as to. Uh, some of the technical issues associated with voting, but that seems to have been cleared up early on. So I I think just for the audience, I think this is really uh, important and and you can explain this in more detail that for Ecuadorians living in the exterior, they are allowed to vote in the embassies and consulates. They also, which most countries are, uh, do allow that, But also, they have a representative in the legislature, which is really unique to Mm -hmm. Ecuador. So just, you know, if you're living in the exterior, you still have uh, a legislative representative uh, for your interests back home. And that's very unique to Ecuador. And that was something that Rafael Correa's government introduced.
1: Yeah. Because of the huge diaspora, we still, we have like 400,000 people registered to vote. Uh, No, they were registered to vote at the point when voting was uh, on paper. Right now, when you live abroad, I live abroad, voting was online process. And it was pretty difficult. I managed to vote, but it wasn't, it was hard. But only 85,000 people around that registered to vote online. Let's hope this time we get more people registered to vote online because those votes are mostly progressive. Yeah, Yeah. we got two representatives from the, from, I think, two from North America because that's where the majority Mm -hmm. of the migrant population are. Then we had two from Europe and Asia, and two others from Africa, South America, and Oceania, I think. So it's wow. six in total.
0: Thank you for listening to Code Pink Radio, presented by WBAI in New York City. WPFW in Washington, D.C., and KPFt in Houston. And please be sure to visit us at codepink.org slash Venezuela to sign our President Biden Lift the Venezuela Sanctions petition. Bush and Bin Laden, you think they're foes, they're in business together. Danny Bush knows the Carlyle Group since years before. Been raking in billions and itching for more. It's It's blood blood for oil, we know there's a link. Code War We say Code Pink It's blood for all We know there's a link They say Code War We say Code Pink